Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 6 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, I'm the director of Seven Positive, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Christian Bibanco, an experienced designer working out of Mexico on a range of projects in design strategy. Christian has over 10 years industry experience. He's worked in different continents around the world on projects spanning product design, social innovation, business, and education. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss participatory design approaches and how they can be used to create positive social impact. We'll discuss a range of projects Christian's been involved in, including some recent projects at Sedim University in Monterrey. And along the way, we'll get some special insights, tips and inspiration from Christian about working in social innovation. Christian, thanks very much for joining us. Hi, Tom. Thanks to you. I'm really excited about this. It's really nice to be able to connect with you whilst you're on the other side of the globe and get some of your, your valuable insights. So to start off, Christian, could you please share a little bit about your background in design and more recently in education as well? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, what can I say to you? I started as a more traditional product design profile. Yep. Um, I started in Mexico in a small town named San Luis Potosí in a public college back there. Yep. And in 2007, I moved to Barcelona, where I did a master in product design. Where we met. Uh, and since then, I spent my first years as a product design product designer. Sorry, um, my work was more focused in lighting, furniture, product, accessories, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Lately. In, since 2010, 2011, I started getting involved with universities in Mexico, uh, first as a design professor mm-hmm. and eventually in 2013 as a director of the industrial design department in CEDIM. CEDIM is a private university in Monterrey. Yep. Monterrey is the third, the third biggest city in Mexico, in the country. Yep. And is the industrial capital of Mexico. Mm. It's near Texas, near the border with the United States. Sure. States, and it have a, a really particular kind of city. You know, it's really industrial. Uh, really, a lot of money yeah. in the town. A lot of businessmen. Tons of factories going on. And industrial design in a city like this have a really particular point of view, you know. Yeah. Um, in particular is a university centered in business innovation and how it can get along with design processes. Mm. Uh, so that's why I got really interested in the opportunity of participate in, in the industrial design department with them. 
Uh, I spent the last three years in that position yep. till this year summer when I moved to Mexico City to participate in the design department of Industrias Ideal. Industrias Ideal is a Mexican company uh, focused in fixed seating, yep. uh, like uh, recliners and chairs for theaters and cinema and stadiums. And I'm running the design strategy department back there. Mm. Um, at the same time, since since my since the beginning, I work in my own projects as a consultant. Uh, as I told before, uh, at the beginning I was focused on product. In the last years, I'm um, I'm getting more into social innovation projects and collaborative design projects. Mm. I love how everything turned out. Wow. And so there's been really broad experience there, Christian. What is it that drives you and why is it that you've made a little bit of a turn and that you have really started to participate in more more projects around social innovation? That's an interesting question. I, at the beginning, I, I could say that I was more interested in, in the product by itself. Mm. Uh, but eventually, I started to learn that what was really the thing that was really motivating me was not the product, but the people around the product mm. and how uh, a design project can have a huge impact in how people uh, live their lives sure. and how you can improve and how you, or, or, or make it worse mm. if you are not careful enough. Yep. And so right now what motivates me the most, I think, is is the feeling of knowing that something that you work on can can be taken by a group of people and become something else, something bigger, something better mm. by itself and for them. I think that's what drives me to keep working this kind of stuff. You've been involved in some really, really fascinating projects, especially whilst you're at SETIM over those last few years. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about the projects you were doing there and hear about some perhaps some case studies or, or some, some of the results that you were getting from those projects. Yeah, of course. I can share with you, I don't know, for example, last year, in 2015, uh, we started working with UNESCO. I don't know the word in English for this. UNESCO. Yeah, UNESCO, yep. UNESCO. And they have an office in Mexico and they got in touch with us uh, looking for a partner for a project in one state named Campeche. Mm. Campeche is in the east coast in the Mexican Gulf. Yeah. And it's a state with a really particular uh, situation going on there. They have the biggest natural reservation in the country named Calakmul. Mm. And at the same time, they are the biggest honey producers in Mexico. And most of it going to exportation to European markets. Mm. Campeche government found with UNESCO this opportunity with a group of old women who had been working for 20 years with a really particular kind of bee named uh, Melipona bee. Mm. The Melipona bee is a, is a endemic bee in Latin America, 
is a, a, a smaller than the regular bee. The regular bee, the scientific name of it is api. The api bee produce, I don't know the word in English for this, one group of bees of the regular kind of produce 60 kilos each year. Yep. But the melipona bee produce only one kilo per year. Mm. So the, the amount of it is really limited. Yep. And this honey have these particular uh, characteristics uh, for in the, in the medical field and cosmetic field as well. Mm. And it's just now getting, I mean, scientists are getting into understanding the benefits of this honey. Right now is the most expensive honey in, in, in Earth. Wow. And there was this group of old ladies, Mayan ladies, that barely speak uh, Spanish at all. They lived in a small community named Each Egg in Campeche. Yeah. It's a community of 1,000 people only that for Mexico scales is Quite narrow. Cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these ladies have been working with these kind of bees for 20 years now. UNESCO and the Campeche government found out about them because of these, because of the newspapers, you know, and this was so crazy. You know Monsanto, right? Yeah. Well, Monsanto is, is you know, that is, is really into transgenics. Yep. And in Mexico in particular, they have, uh, Monsanto have a huge interest in mm. becoming, in, in do transgenic soy in Mexico, you know, they want yep. to produce transgenic soy there. Yeah. And Campeche one was is one of the most interested states in working with Monsanto. Mm. But at the same time, they had the biggest natural reservation in the country. So it was like, a, wasn't, wasn't making any sense at sure. all. So this, this group of women that actually they're, they're, they have a cooperative. Yep. Uh, the cooperative name is Colelcap. Colelcap, uh, they depend on the bees healthy, you know. Yep. And if Monsanto were successful bringing all the soy yep. to Campeche, that will have a huge impact in the life cycle of these melipona bees. Absolutely. You know? So they start complaining with the government and with no governmental associations and with UNESCO. And they actually stopped Monsanto to get into Campeche. Hmm. These six old ladies. Wow. And that's when UNESCO saw this, obviously, this responsibility and this opportunity to, to promote their work and to to invest in what they is what they were doing. Mm. So they, 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 they got in touch with Sedim and at the beginning they asked for for a branding and packaging project. Because yep. these Colelka ladies, they were packaging the most expensive honey in the world in shoe boxes. Wow. Literally shoe boxes to send to Germany or Canada or France or yeah. UK, mm. and they were they, they didn't have a business model that were that was efficient. They didn't have a, a production system, a proper production system. Yeah, uh, they start they, they start to have some issues. I mean, they they they, they print 
their packaging, if we can call it that way, mm. in, in a home printer. So at the beginning, yeah. UNESCO thought that that was an opportunity for us. Uh, since the beginning, we noticed that this kind of project was for something bigger, but we took it anyway. And we started working with Kolelka community in, by the summer of 2015. Mm. And we went to Campeche, meet the ladies, yeah. and we start this project not talking about the product by itself, not even talking about the customer, mm. but talking about themselves themselves, you know, the, yeah. we, we wanted to know more about how they felt about themselves sure. and how they felt about all the efforts that they were doing at the moment, mm. because they had tons of challenges ahead. I mean, we are talking about women that were around 60 years old, 65, yeah. the older one was 85, mm. and they didn't have, for example, a next generation plan sure. for for keeping this going. So we thought that was that was far more interesting than working only in a branding and packaging project. Yeah. So we get it, we got into that and we introduced to them a lot of collaborative design tools and human centered design methods to know more about themselves to understand how they felt about their past, their present, but most important, how they felt about their future mm. and where they want to take this project mm. in the near future. And at the same time, we found the opportunity to understand them and to use them in a positive way to define a, a, a project model that could be replicated in different communities in mm. similar situations in Mexico, yeah. that there are hundreds of, of them. So it was like a case study since the beginning to, to prove and to test and to validate approaches. And at the end, of the, actually the project is still uh, running, yep. but the first stage of the project was defined by a branding and a packaging uh, deliveries, yeah. but we 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 gave some recommendations to UNESCO yeah. about be, transforming their work into a tourism business mm. to transform this project based in hunting into a project based in culture, based in people, mm. based in traditions and based in experiences mm. and in that way and, and we bet in, in, in that field because we, we knew that we had to involve all the community in this project not only the six of them because sure. uh, that was that was a big issue you know the, the, they were amazingly success, successful yeah. but they start to generate this kind of uh, rivality or jealousy in, the, in their community and they didn't I mean not not because they didn't want to but the, the, the business wasn't didn't have any impact with the rest of the community you know mm, yeah. and we, we talked with them and we found a way to say like we can make this bigger more sustainable and easier for you mm. if we stop 
focusing only in the honey and instead of bring the honey to your customer yeah. you can bring your customer to the honey and you can bring the customer to your community and you can share more than just honey you know yeah absolutely this project was incubated at Sedim as a task force project yep a custom-made project that lasts only three months mm. but at the end of that custom-made project we decided that we needed to get deeper into that so we incubated in a final degree project that lasts one year uh, that project is still running and they are getting awesome results I mean I know for sure they are that they are getting deeper in that. They are working with new generations. Yeah. They are they, they they got into this sharing knowledge mm. exercise and to, to to make it more like a social project. Sure. And it's amazing. This is this is the kind of projects that we were working on. It, it sounds like an excellent case study and, and it's certainly a very interesting one, Christian. And that participatory design approach certainly sounded really interesting i'd love to hear more about if you could could try and break it down to the the sort of the key phases of what that approach entails and at the same time i'm sure there are perhaps some some social issues and challenges in mexico that that you think could be addressed with this particular approach yeah totally i can use another example of project that can that can show better these kind of issues yeah. and these kind of approaches. Um, last year, we started working with Cemex. Do you know Cemex, Tom? Tell us Cemex is the biggest manufacturer of concrete, of cement, globally. You know, these sure. guys are huge. huge. Yeah. They have uh, factories all around the globe. And they are from Mexico. Mm. Uh, actually, I, I'm pretty sure they have plants in Australia. I know they have in UK, they have in Latin America, they have in the States, sure. they have everywhere. These companies, Cemex, have this uh, social responsibility project department. Yep. And last year they made a commitment with um, Dr. Junus. Have you heard about Dr. Junus? Tell us about Dr. Junus. Dr. Junus is the responsible of the social business model. He won the Nobel Prize in economy, I believe, economy or peace, mm -hmm. a few years ago, and Dr. Jonas got along with a German investor to create a Grameen Creative Lab that is a, a social innovation consultancy in mm -hmm. Germany. So in, in, one, in one social impact congress in Europe, uh, CEMEX made this commitment with this Grameen uh, consultancy and Dr. Junius by, by himself to start developing uh, social projects in Mexico. Mm. And they came back to Mexico, Semex came back to Mexico and hired Sedim to work with one community mm. that already been working with and yeah. it's, a, it's a really interesting story in mexico we have this i mean we have a lot of social issues sure. but one that is like really important is the um, there is a lot of informal business going on okay sure uh, there is no we, we need more regulation yeah. about how people 
earn money mm. in Mexico. Uh, a lot of improvising, a lot of yeah. people and communities, entire communities uh, that in paper doesn't exist at all. Yeah, sure. Uh, but they are there. And one of these communities is, uh, we call it paracaidistas. That is a Spanish mm-hmm. word for, for <laughs> parachute jumpers. Yep. You know, uh, these yes, skydivers. Sky yep. There was this community that took, 20 years ago, took uh, some lands that belonged to the Mexican government in Monterrey. Mm. Just like that. And that's a common issue, you know, like the government or even private property yeah. that is unattended is taken by these, these sort of communities. Yeah. And they start living there and they start building, they start building their homes with cardboard, with metal sheets, with the things that they have around. Sure. And this happened 20 years ago. And these people in particular, their work was, they were dedicated to recollect garbage in these cars, pulled by horses. Yep. Horses so you will see yep. this, it's a really disturbing picture of this family running this carriage of horses around the, outside the city, uh, taking garbage from the street and mm. going back to these lands and working with the garbage and selling to recycling. And Semex yeah. started working with this community 10 years ago and they built a, a factory to produce uh, construction materials, blocks and, and, and yeah, wow. concrete blocks. Yep. So this community could start building their own places, their own homes mm. in a more uh, structured way. Yep. This was a project, This the beginning of this project was a project that was granted by the local government. Mm. And this community was already established, I mean, Semex made a huge impact in them. Sure. By now, 85% of the community have like real homes with real walls and basic uh, services mm. like water and electricity that they didn't have sure. before. And that was the starting point for us. They came along, they came with us and say, okay, we have this case. We, we have, we work already with this community for, for, 15 years now, mm. for 10 years now, and we have a great relationship with them, but we want to make business with them. Mm. We want to make social business with them. And we make this commitment with Grameen, and we don't know where to start from. So what we did was to first, obviously, go into the community and understand who was making this community, who were these people. Sure. And we found out that most of them were women, women from 15 till 65, 70 years old. Yeah. Uh, obviously women with a really hard social situations. Sure. I mean, we are talking about uh, rape victims, uh, and broken families, sure. single moms, women that didn't have uh, equal opportunities mm. to survive. You know. It's a very dire situation. Yeah. And we, we first have an approach with them and they were really excited about the opportunity to keep working with Cemex. 
So we had this small workshop, week-long workshop, yeah. focus again in understanding who they were and what they wanted and what they were expecting for this project. Mm. And this workshop was more concentrated in understanding what they can, what they were able to do and what they desire to do, mm. you know? Sure. Uh, because we knew since the beginning that if we didn't consider their desires and aspirations as partners and yeah. producers, the project was, wasn't going to work. Sure. So we, we had really interesting insights. For example, uh, one that went all the way through the project was that we asked for, these, uh, for them to draw the perfect day for them. Mm. Uh, the drawings that you that we saw obviously was like the, my family, my daughter, my home, sure. my new home. Yeah. And many of them expressed in the drawing uh, a desire or a, or how cooking was something that they really enjoy. Mm. And when we start talking about that, like what is why is so important for you to cook? for your family and they were like well it's a moment where i can share the last part of the day with my husband or sure. with my boyfriend or with my daughter yeah and to know how was the day for them and but all of them or most of them they have like electric uh, grills i don't know but they didn't have uh, ovens because they didn't have gas mm. services yeah. in the in the community so all of them say like, well, I would love to make some cakes and pastry for my kids, but I cannot. And I, I still feel the, the desire and, and I wish one day I could cook something in an oven for yeah. them, you know. And we say, okay, we can work with this desire. And we keep working with them closely and then we start to understand that because Semex requests for us to develop concrete products that could be produced by this group of women who didn't have any kind of knowledge about concrete or production methods at mm. all. And at the same time, these products, the result of this project, should be able to be in the most high-end stores in Mexico. Hmm. What, was, what was their objectives around that? The objectives was to get the most economical benefits of the project, sure. the biggest uh, profit margins that they could do. Mm. I mean, all the, all the money uh, generated by this project was 100% going back to the community, sure. going back to have a production uh, factory with all the machinery and tools yep. that, they, that they require for doing these products. But since the beginning, Semex said, like, I want the cheapest product with the biggest profit margin possible. We took that challenge knowing nothing about concrete, mm. but that concrete wasn't your first option to design a product sure. because it's a tricky, hard, with a, with a really deep idea behind the material. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone have an opinion about, about concrete sure. and no one pictures a product made by concrete in your home, for example, is not a common material inside a home. Yeah. That was the final destination of the brief. 
Mm. And we start like working with the material, understanding it, and also understanding how we could design products that could change the perception the perception of the people about the material. So this was like in the other side of the of the of the project. This this was a, a challenge because we had to work with with this customer and understanding their desires as well mm. and how they perceive the material and how they perceive this kind of products sure. and in order to, to develop a design language that could broke that paradigm. At the end of the project, we developed uh, six different products, all of them accord to the production limitations, yep. small, small items, accessories. Mm -hmm. Uh, with basic production methods yep. and we centered every product in the idea of this group of women uh, desiring to cook uh, a cake you know mm. so all the products were able to do were able to be made by using molds yeah and all the storytelling behind the the production methods replicate the idea of a recipe mm. for a for for a meal or sure. a cake or whatever yep. so we, we 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 invest a lot of time in in developing this storytelling for them mm. so they could feel identified with the project mm. and they could feel like they i mean they knew of course that they were in cooking a cake but they like and they enjoyed the process of doing these products sure. in, in a similar way to, to, to a cake. And I think that was one of the keys for these projects to be a, a successful one. What, what sort of outcomes has that, has that community seen since that project began? It's, it's, it's getting bigger, man. Actually, this project, we delivered the products in, by December. 2015, I believe, mm -hmm. and since then till summer of 2016, Semex started working in testing the products. They request the production of some molds, mm -hmm. and we had a second stage of the project uh, focusing in, in, in workshops yeah. with this community and in, into production and techniques. So we had three different workshops with them. They were really excited about the opportunity of doing something, to actually doing something, mm. and to see that their effort was resulting in a physical product. Mm. And that was since January till June of 2016. And by August of this year, Semex ran a business study to see how sustainable this could be mm. and they are projecting really big numbers about it and the idea is to by 2017 uh, start working with some uh, partners in Mexico to distribute the fierce production series of these I mean they are running now a small factory in the community yep. uh, who is capable of producing 1,000 units per month mm. of these products. They are expecting a benefit of 19 million pesos. That I don't know how many dollars is. I think it's around uh, 
I don't remember, $100,000 per year. That in Mexico is huge sure. for these kind of projects. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm actually still working with them and developing new products and developing a new, a better business model and a platform and all that you require for mm. expand and to have a real impact, you know, with these products. Sure. We are getting into that stage of the project. We are still working on that. It's certainly a very interesting project, Christian, that's for sure. And I'm sure there's hundreds of really amazing projects going on. Earlier in conversation, before we got into the podcast, we were speaking about what you believe is, is very much a, a boom of of social innovation happening through Latin America. Could you tell us a bit yeah. more about that? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting how, how everything is getting together here in this side of the world. Um, I mean, there is obviously this uh, trend in, in designers about getting inspired by what is going on in Europe and in the States sure. in a more product-centered vision of the discipline, mm. but on the other hand, I really believe that something is going on here because we have the perfect storm going on. We have the perfect kind of issues that stimulates disciplines as like design to get involved with society and to really get in the problems mm. and to really believe that they that they that we can make a change to improve people's life wow. lives. I mean, these kind of things is going on are going on in in Mexico for sure. I know tons of projects running right now, focus on 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 communities, on particular sectors of the society, sure. on warranty that every design project will have a positive impact mm. in society and also had the opportunity to, to meet really interesting projects. I, I made a trip to Lima in Peru three, four months ago. Uh, I got invited by Alpa. Alpa is a, is, a, is a company focused in exportation of uh, Peruvian craftsmanships in a social responsible business model yep. and Alpa produced the first crafts and design encounter in Peru. Mm. Uh, they invite me to, to run a workshop and to give a conference and they invite as well to two young girls from Chile uh, who were running similar projects. I went to Lima and I had the opportunity to talk with these people. And it was amazing, man. They, wow. they, they had Alpa is running this project for 35 years. Yeah. You have to see their videos. I will send you the link of this. Uh, Alpa is running this project for 35 years now, exporting to all Europe and the States, uh, Peruvian craftsmanships, mm. but everything based in developing in a more sustainable way how... Uh, these artisan communities grow, you know, mm. uh, to warranty that they don't change in a negative way sure. uh, their lifestyles. Yeah. That this is something that usually happens when a craftsmanship when a, when a craftsmanship project is uh, sort of successful. Yep. The demands the demand gets so high that uh, the community had to 
totally change yeah. the way they live or the, the things that they desired apart mm. from work. And Alpa made sure that the, these kind of things didn't happen to their partners in the production side of the project. They have amazing examples of their success, uh, particularly with uh, textile products. You know, mm. all these uh, alpaca and yep. vicuña textiles. Yep. They are developing like really interesting things. Mm. There, I also meet this this designer Sofia Cos, I believe is her name. Yep. Working in working in Santiago in Chile, she's doing. Uh, a really interesting project with this uh, remote community where she she found out that this community used to work uh, producing uh, sugar and salt and this kind of materials and in the production system this community used these sacks uh, to contain the, the sugar and the salt mm-hmm. to distribute it we prove that social projects have a better possibility of, to be successful if you base them in in women, you know, because mm. uh, women have proved to to be more social responsible than men, uh, as, at least in Latin America. I don't know if it's a cultural thing. That's a, that's a very uh, interesting insight. There are tons of projects that prove this. I mean, if you want to have an impact in a community. You need to get to the woman that lives there. Do you yeah. think that's a cultural thing? I, I, I think it gets influenced by culture. Yep. I don't know if it's particular from Latin American culture. I don't think so. Mm. Uh, but I think it's something interesting to explore. Yeah, sure. And this designer is working with this with this woman doing interventions in the sacks and they make like bags or 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 they frame it and it's, and it's a beautiful story behind these products mm. there are a lot of things going on in these kind of projects in Latin America it's interesting because this chaotic context social context that is always in in, in motion inspires you as a designer you know to do something yeah. different yep. and to and to try at least try to make a change in people's life so recently yeah. recently christian you moved back to Defe or mexico city yeah and have you come across any really inspiring projects that have been happening in, in a social context there like yeah yeah actually there are there are several ones. Uh, for example, and I'm missing a lot of them, I can tell you about Fabrica Social. Fabrica Social is a project running now by it's a, more than seven, eight years old now. Yeah. And it's a project run by three designers, three female designers, who works with local communities near Mexico City and in the south of the country, mm. Guerrero, Michoacán, Estado de Mexico, these kind of states. Yep. Fabrica Social, what they do is to provide design education to cooperatives conformed by women. Mm-hmm. This design education 
gives the opportunity to these communities to ask for government grants mm. to develop small production systems yep. to produce textiles and fashion items. Yep. And Fabrica Social signed this commitment that is, is not an exclusivity commitment, but they are responsible to consume all the products that result from this production mm. if this group of women desire to sell it to them. So in this way, they close the gap that usually happens when a designer gets closer to a craftsmanship community sure. where you have like huge and really interesting products. But after you have the product designed, the craftsman doesn't know how to sell them or where to sell them mm. or sell them to whom. Yep. Uh, so they close that gap and they absorb that responsibility if the community decides to sell it to them. Mm. Yeah, Fabrica Social is, uh, is doing something really interesting and it's a really successful company now. There is also uh, this other project named BU by You that is run by a designer named Marisol Centeno. Yep. She produced carpets, mostly carpets, in Oaxaca but she's based in Mexico City. And in a similar social social business model, you have Diario Shop run by Moises Hernandez, who developed small products, small items with communities around Mexico City uh, using their the production methods that they already have, but focusing in developing products for exportation. It, it sounds like there's a huge list of really amazing projects happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's tons of these kind of projects, man. And, and it's, I mean, with, with a, and they are not all the same. There is really a, a diversity mm. in, the, in this field. And, and yeah, it's interesting. We'll be speaking to some other Mexican designers and social innovators in the future, so I'm sure we'll hear more about them. Sure. To finish off, Christian, could you please share some really inspirational books or great resources that you'd recommend to our listeners? Yeah, well, I, 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 I'm not that interested in, the, in reading design books or lectures around the, I mean, not only about these issues. Yeah. I try to get, uh, if we can say so, inspired by other kind of inputs. Sure. So I will say, I, I, the last book that I read was Savage Detectives by Roberto Bolaño. Mm -hmm. He's a Chilean writer. The Spanish name of the book is Los Detectives Salvajes. Uh -huh. And it's an amazing book that tells the story about two Mexican young boys in the 70s. Mm who are sort of philosophers and interested in society. And in the book, you can, you can see how Mexico was in that period of time. Mm. And also these two guys, the two main characters of the book, they travel around the world, they live in Europe, they live in Israel, they live in, they pass by in Chile, I believe, and in the States. In every country that they were, they interview people from there. So it's interesting. It was really interesting for me and really inspiring, inspiring to see how was life back there yeah. and where, what were the issues that people were facing at that moment of time. Mm. And I've been thinking about that book lately and it was interesting. Sounds like it's, it's made an impact on you. Yeah, huge. 
Christian, thank you so much for sharing your insights today. I certainly appreciate it very much, and I'm sure the listeners have gained some some excellent resources and ideas that they can perhaps apply to their own projects. Oh, it was a pleasure for, for me to participate in this project, and I wish you the best of the luck. Thanks very much, Christian. We'll hope to catch up with you in the future. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter.